Hey friends, welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and I have a quick disclaimer for you, because this week is our adult film industry week. What does that mean, Tyler? Well, I have two brand new episodes for you this week, one now, one on Wednesday, I believe, and they cover the adult film industry. I have two stars of great renown who are fantastic and amazing, but there is some explicit content in each episode. So just want to let you know right now, if you're listening to this, without headphones or with other people around you, maybe wait or measure your audience and then kind of go from there and then listen in just so you're not getting, uh, you know, crazy looks in the grocery store <laughs> for, I guess for not, not for listening to a podcast with adult film conversations in there, but the fact that you are a person listening to a podcast aloud in a grocery store. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been feeling goofy that <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. So uh, just letting you know, Right now, there will be some explicit content, but outside of that, just had an amazing weekend, relaxing Saturday after filming, I had my last shift at the brewery, so now I'm just, uh, I'm embracing this whole working actor thing, you know, auditions and self-tapes I've been sending in like crazy, fingers crossed on booking, but uh, yeah, it's just been great, and oh my god, and I forgot to tell you about this, or, or remind you, because hopefully you already knew, there's going to be a Writer's Table live stream on our YouTube channel tonight at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time with Kate Duffy of Reacher and Scorpion and Katie McElhenney of It's Always Sunny and Mythic Quest. It's going to be so much fun, about 90 minutes or so of pure <laughs> just writer uh, goofiness and hilarity. We're going to catch up. We're going to play some Mad Libs. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. So I really hope to see all of you there. And uh, toss in your questions that I can ask them. Uh, <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna see how it goes. Like like this show, it's gonna be very informal and very fun. So we got that planned for this evening. But let's talk about what you have planned for the next hour on your drive to work, or um, you know, your lunch break if you're listening to it. Then let's uh, let's go with that. I had a chance to talk with Siri Dahl. She is a content creator, a powerlifter, and an adult film star. She uh, left the industry uh, around 2015, 2016, but has since developed a huge online empire through various businesses and has a, had a chance to just create her own work and manage her own business, and she is completely thriving on it. She was a blast to talk to. Uh, like myself, she's incredibly dorky. We talk, we talk about uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek, her plans for the future, and what she does to decompress because, as most of you may know, Running one business is tough. Running multiple, that is incredibly hard. So let's uh, let's get right to it. Let's sit down. Let's have a chat with the lovely Siri doll. My name is Siri Doll. I am a porn star uh, or adult film performer. I don't have a preference as to those two titles. I use them interchangeably depending on what platform I'm on and how safe for work or not safe for work it is, um, as well as an online content creator uh, of my own content for sites like OnlyFans and a power lifter and formerly also a podcast host myself. <laughs> yeah, what happened with your, I have to, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to nix my order. What happened to your podcast? Uh, it's just on hiatus. Actually, I was okay. just talking with my uh, Rachel, who had been co-hosting it with me about bringing it back just for a few episodes to do like a special summer series. So we're looking forward to doing that. And like getting it all organized now uh, to have those recordings out in late summer. Um, but oh, wow. basically the answer to why did it go on hiatus and I never even like announced it formally <laughs> is because I realized that I was over committing myself to too many things. And 
I had to get rid of something. And with the podcast not generating income, that was the easiest thing to remove from my, from my plate. Uh, <laughs> but I do miss it, you know, like I yeah. still, it's still, uh, it's still act like you can still download it. Like I maintained the website and the, um, the feed for it and everything. So people can still listen and download, uh, after adult.com, but but yeah, there haven't been new episodes since like February, 2021. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, during the first part of this podcast, I was looking for, you know, a, a variety of people to bring on to the show. And I stumbled upon your podcast and absolutely loved it. It was great and very informative Thank and you. entertaining. It was awesome. So when it stopped, I was just like, all right. Uh, yeah, damn. and we never, I did that on purpose. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave this. I'm not even going to say shit. I'm just going to like stop doing it and like... <laughs> Because I because I wanted to do that because it was like, well, if I ever do want to do more episodes, like just standalone random episodes, then, yeah. you know, it doesn't it leaves it in an area where it's like in this limbo that I can easily pull it out of without making a big hullabaloo about it. Yeah. You're not committed to like a series yeah. order or something like that. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Exactly. No, and like you said, with it not bringing you income, I totally understand that. This doesn't bring me any mm-hmm. income. Um, mm-hmm. Trying real hard. That uh, podcaster life. Yeah, it's just like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna work like 35 to 50 hours on the podcast a week for maybe 20 cents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just constantly, constantly working. Right. But you're just you're just gonna pay money to make a podcast and exactly. never generate money. <laughs> yeah, find find the good subscriptions that uh, you know won't screw you over with monthly dues. But uh, well, that's good to hear. That hopefully you'll have like a summer series for the podcast coming up. But um, cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I went off on a weird tangent for that because I just I was curious what the hell happened. Valid. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do want to take it back. What um, what brought you into the adult industry? Because my personally, I am an actor in you know TV, film, uh, maybe some theater here and there, depending on who you ask. But there's always you know two different sides of you know the performing arts industry, whether it be the adults or the theatrical. So what uh, what got you into it? Was it uh, a love of you know obviously what it is, or was it just something you kind of fell into? Uh, I did the opposite of fall into it. So and I am a fellow like I haven't performed in theater as an adult really. I mean if if you count college, then yeah, a little bit. I'd count it. But I was I was definitely <laughs> like a like a theater kid theater nerd in high school when I was a little kid I like my dream when I was like you know 11 12 and and on was that I wanted to be on SNL so but I'm not a natural comedian like at all like I might say something funny once in a while and it's like and it's like random if I do I can't be funny on purpose really so I've always had the like extroverted performer personality um, and when I started to realize that I was very interested in the porn industry was when I was still in college about between the ages of like 19 to 22. I, the idea first hit me when I was 19 because I found a, uh, a queer porn website featuring a lot of like queer women um, who were like, some of whom were like non-binary. Um, and it was just really cool. And just something that I hadn't encountered before. Cause I, of course I watched porn as a teen and stuff, but I hadn't seen porn like this. And I found it very inspiring and, that kind of generated the idea in my head that that's something I wanted to be a part of. And at that point, when I was like 19 and 20, looking at this site as a subscriber, I only had the idea that I might do that just as like a one-time thing for something fun and like an interesting experience. Um, But then as, you know, the years wore on, by the time I was 23, I was like, 
didn't, I still wasn't really happy with what I was studying in college. I changed my major like five times and I was just like, what the hell? Like none of this strikes any like passion in me, but I do feel passionate about wanting to make porn. Like I felt (laughs) like, I felt like this is my calling. Like I used to joke that for me to actually ever go out to California and do porn would be like the equivalent of running away to join the circus. And then, I mean, finally, when I was 23, which was in 2012, is when I decided to just jump for it and and do it. And I moved out to L.A. I initially signed up with a talent agency that represents adult talent for the porn industry. Um, And I didn't end up liking that agent. So I split up with them within the first year. But I, of course, stayed in the industry. So and I was in porn for three years. And then I retired in at the very beginning of 2015, like. Like I didn't even make any videos in the year 2015 because I was out of it by uh, December 2014. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I took a long break. I was gone for five years. I didn't think I would ever go back into it. And then in 2020, after you know having five years away from the industry, moving out to Kentucky of all places is when I was like, you know what? I really missed that. I'm going to go do it again. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a journey. Yeah, I mean, there was just a little little pandemic that was causing everyone to stay inside so you know <laughs> I I came out of my retirement three months before because I started shooting professional like studio stuff again in January 2020 so I had literally barely three months oh, uh, wow. to shoot new scenes and make my comeback and then COVID hit and then I was stuck at home in Kentucky for like a while <laughs> oh that's crazy yeah so then it wasn't even yeah. because of the pain that's well, that's cool. That you it wasn't, like, yeah. On the pandemic helped, it. honestly, because then yeah. I got on OnlyFans and I was able to actually make a stable income without having to travel a lot to shoot. So, hey, I mean, not a fan of the pandemic, but I, <laughs> I like, you know, I had a better situation throughout most of it than most folks did. So I'm thankful yeah. for that. And do you, I mean, now that it seems like OnlyFans is a great way to make income from, you know, most people that we've seen, do you have a preference to generating your own content on OnlyFans or, you know, setting something up, uh, going to a location in LA and and having a scene there? Do you have a preference now? I like both. Um, I mean, I definitely make a lot more money doing my own content for OnlyFans because I keep every not every penny because OnlyFans does take a percentage of that, but I do see a lot more of the return on my investment of time uh, when I make my own content. And then the benefit to me is also that I own it. So then I can continue to sell it into infinity and beyond. Whereas (laughs) in a studio, yeah, in a studio production, you get a, you get a check. It's like you have a rate for the type of scene that you're in. And the rate is like directly corresponds to the actual sex act that's happening. Um, And you get that one check for that one shoot royalties don't exist in the adult industry um the closest thing that we have to something like royalties is like affiliate marketing channels where you know if i have a like for example a browsers scene that comes out i i have an affiliate account with browsers as well so i can post my affiliate link on like twitter so then if anyone signs up and pays to join browsers using my link then i get like a little kickback from that but you know, it's anyone can sign up for an affiliate account. That's not like specifically because I'm in the scene. That's just because I'm smart enough to to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's, yeah, it's like yeah. the way that I look at it. And I will say that most performers these days look at it is studio productions are, it's fun. It's an easier day in a lot of ways. It's a longer day because you're doing a professional production, which is usually a lot more complicated and higher production value. But 
it's easier for me in the sense that I don't have to do shit other than like get my call sheet with my call time on it and show up. Like, so I'm not having to put in all the legwork of organizing and finding a location and like getting a cameraman and all that. And also editing because when I do my own content, I edit it myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a whole another three to four hours of, you know, mm-hmm. losing yourself in the blue light madness. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So it's almost like studio scenes can function as uh, advertising for my brand as a performer, because when I shoot for a large studio and that goes out on their website and they start posting clips on tube sites, then a lot more people see my face and my scenes than would have seen it if I only ever shot my own content that was behind a paywall on like OnlyFans. Oh, that's fair. Okay. So, I mean, even with residuals not being a thing with the studios is there such a thing as um like putting somebody on a like a holding deal for a certain studio where you are working with them for x amount of years like exclusively or is that kind of lost yes okay exclusive contracts still exist in the business they're not very common um actually they're becoming a little more common than they were for because they were very popular in the like i mean for for a while in porn they were like from the 80s onward, every major studio would have at least a couple girls under contract. Sometimes they would have guys under contract too. Um, and then when tube sites hit and a lot of in, like companies shut down because they couldn't afford to stay open due to like piracy and losing income, um, then we had some larger studios step in and kind of buy everything up. So the porn industry is actually a little bit run by, there's a monopoly in the industry, I would say. Um, with some really big companies that kind of own most of the big brands and it's it, it could be better in that regard but i guess if you want to look at like the silver lining it is it's a it's nice that some performers are able to just obtain a contract with a studio so it's still a very like very small minority of performers that are ever contracted but those exist uh like brazzers does contracts um all, well, the company that owns Brazzers has several studios and all of them do their own version of, of contracts. And then there's wow. some other studio, like smaller ones that do as well. Yeah, it, well, it's, sorry, it's just crazy to hear about the the logistics of it. You know, I think a lot <laughs> of people, when they think of it, they think of, um, you know, somebody with a ponytail holding a camera and, hey, we right. found this this studio apartment we can go shoot in really quick. But yeah, no, about, it's like, so different. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, it's uh it's always intrigued me how this industry works, especially now with the like huge amount of OnlyFans accounts and, and Patreon and all this other stuff. It's just really, really fascinating to to see you as, you know, you are a business owner now, you know, you're, you're running mm-hmm. your own, <laughs> your own stuff. You are uh-huh. putting in your own taxes, which I'm sure are a lot of fun uh, quarterly, especially with the online stuff. But yeah, uh, taxes are a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, I don't know. It's just, um, it, it's crazy to hear about it. But I mean, going back to you building up your own brand and your content, especially at your home in Kentucky, did you already have a bunch of like Twitch equipment? I see you have like the podcast and video yeah. equipment in, in the back yeah, behind you. Behind me. <laughs> did you already have that stuff or did you have to just go on Amazon and start ordering it, you know, just to get everything started? Oh, I did not have that. I always wanted to start a Twitch stream, but I didn't 
you know, my fans in like 2013 used to beg me to get on Twitch. And at the time I just didn't get it. I was like, "Mm, that doesn't sound like a wise use of my time. (laughs) Like, why would I want to be at a platform that's safe for work? By definition, I can't do what my actual job is. Uh, But they wanted me to do it because, I mean, I'm a nerd and most of my fans are nerds. And they like games and they wanted to watch me also play those games or play those games with them. So at the time, I didn't do it. And then I always kind of regretted it later because <laughs> I was like, damn, if I'd gotten on Twitch back then, I'd be like a big Twitcher now. Oh, and now yeah. I am on Twitch. I start, I only started streaming. Uh, well, it was actually a COVID thing. Like when I realized, oh, I'm going to be stuck at home for months in you know March, I started streaming and started building my my stream setup and getting gear and just constantly like upgrading gear. And then after it took me like a year and a half to get Twitch partner status. Um, but I still stream. I streamed like last night. I still stream a couple times a week at least. So with your, uh, sorry, I, I'm one of those few people who like, I know of Twitch and I've been told, mm-hmm. like, Hey, should you Twitch for your channel too? Can you, can you describe to our listeners exactly what, what Twitch is? Cause I'm still, I'm still on the yeah. fence about it. I, you know, the whole, uh, you know, what can I create that somebody would actually want to watch sort of ideal for it. So what, what, it, what is Twitch in a nutshell? It, so it's a live streaming platform uh, and it was the first of its kind to be, you know, available on a really large scale. Um, now it does have some competitors, like a lot of Twitch uh, creators have moved to streaming on YouTube, especially Twitch creators who don't specialize in gaming content specifically. Because oh, there are a lot of non-gaming categories on Twitch. Like there's a just chatting category. There's a hot tubs and pools category where you can stream if you're just going to sit in a hot tub on camera. Um, <laughs> so we've seen a lot of, yeah, some Twitch creators have moved just because, I mean, I don't really like, ha- I haven't looked too deep into the differences between different streaming platforms. But I mean, I will say that I, I do know Twitch was the first to only specialize in live streaming uh for like a large audience and i mean i'm not even sure when it's been around i remember you know when my fans were telling me to get on twitch in 2013 it was it, it was new at the time like not a lot of people were actually using it yet other than like mega gaming nerds yeah and it just has continued to grow and so now there's quite a large community of twitch streamers who don't even really play video games on there but that the video games and just gaming in general is still like kind of its core market yeah back when uh like pewdiepie was you know yeah the biggest thing on the internet and yeah that's that's interesting to think about yeah and now i i am very curious what is your day look like when you are creating content maybe not even your day your week do you outline mm-hmm. everything you're going to do whether it's only fans twitch uh, your own personal website, do you have a mass schedule on your computer <laughs> or somewhere in your office where you go, okay, on this day, I'm doing this and this and this and this. Do you plan it out that way or is it kind of like roll with the punches? Yeah, I it's it's a combination of both. I do have a loose content calendar that I abide by, which is essentially like I try to shoot on the same day of every week. Usually it's like a Monday is a production day. Um, and I try to keep it to where Monday is the only production day because I do not like having to set up all my gear and shoot content and then take it down and do it again like two days later. Yeah. So I try to keep it to a pretty regular schedule like that. Um, actually producing or, or shooting content is the minority of what I do most days. It's a lot of administrative work, um, like 
DMs, emails, uh, like business end of stuff. I've gotten to the point where my business is large enough that I have to hire a bookkeeper and an accountant to do that oh end. But, but there's still some upkeep that I yeah. have to be like in touch with what's going on there. Um, and I do, I do quite a bit of like, like planning for future things. You know, one of the projects that I'm working on now is I want to build an actual studio, which is a, a huge undertaking. And I'm only in the very, very beginning stages of like creative development, pretty much. I haven't really done anything yet. Whoa. So that's, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that going to be something you're looking at for close to your house? Or are you going to build something like deep in Louisville, Kentucky? Like what, <laughs> what, what sort of studio are you imagining here? Cause that could be anything. That's insane. Yeah. Getting it off the ground. It would, it would have to be in, I'd have to be shooting primarily in LA in the beginning at least, but ultimately oh. my, one of my goals is that I do want to produce yeah. in Kentucky. Um, and, and one of the, one of the big tasks, uh, that goes along with that is really deeply investigating the potential, any potential legal conflicts that might occur, uh, from shooting porn in Kentucky. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there, there are technically most states don't have a like really clear law on that there's there are obscenity laws but that doesn't necessarily apply to porn because there was a supreme court decision uh god i don't even remember what the year was i want to say it was like late 70s or early 80s uh that did classify adult film as free speech so at least federally i would be protected by that but then at, at the state level there are all kinds of little like ways that they can try to prevent you from from producing and and most of those have to do with like renting locations so if i only ever uh, shot okay. in my house which i own then i would be fine for the most part yeah but but yeah so there's a lot to explore there which is why i wouldn't even try to start shooting where i live in the beginning because it's a lot to deal with <laughs> yeah that sounds horrifying in a way to try and navigate through that but I assume you have mm-hmm. a, a credit card that will rank up some nice flyer miles to LA. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I already fly out. Uh, I spend about a month or a week every month in LA and I have so many miles. It's great. Oh my <laughs> God. Well, I would hope yeah. so. Any, uh, any vacation, destination vacation plans with those miles? I'm actually going on vacation very soon using those miles. Yes. Indeed. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I hope uh, I hope the studio process goes well, especially, you know, in LA, there's a whole other realm, Kentucky, fingers crossed on that, the way everything else mm-hmm. is going. But uh, I mean, you said you're a nerd. What sort of a nerdy things are you are you into? Are you more heavily a gamer? Are you more of a cosplay, pop culture, movies? What what's your what are you like really into more than anything else? Um. I mean, my nerddom started around like Harry Potter because I was such a Harry Potter kid growing up, you know, and it's an expanded like I didn't really get into games until later because I uh, well, honestly, because my parents were like, no, we're not going to buy you a gaming system like (laughs) so. Yeah. So and I was like, well, I don't want to save up my allowance or like, you know, when I even when I got my first job, I was like, I don't make enough money to go buy like an Xbox. So I. I eventually we did get an xbox but it was only because my dad at the time worked for microsoft and he got it as a gift (laughs) damn (laughs) so yeah i had like the very first xbox and that was it and then so like 
up until I was like in my mid twenties, the only video games I'd really played were fucking like first gen Xbox games, like like the first Halo, you know. But I loved it. I yeah. played a lot of The Sims too, so I always like was into games. But I didn't. There was a little bit of a lack of accessibility, and then later on, just a lack of time for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I I would say that I, I nerd out over everything that I like. <laughs> but I can't say that I'm a classic quote unquote nerd in the sense that like I don't really give a shit about Star Wars. <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's going around apparently. <laughs> yeah, or or Star Trek, although I think I like Star Trek more than Star Wars if I had to pick between the the, the nerd stars. Uh my my partner's a big Star Trek fan and we've watched some of it together and I'm like I can get down with this. <laughs> what what about Star Trek intrigues you so much over Star Wars? Now I got to know. Um well from what I've seen of Star Trek, there's a very interesting way of dealing with like societal issues or approaching issues uh yeah. in a way that it, there's like a lot of metaphors for things that we experience in our culture, but it's not necessarily super obvious if you're watching it because this is all taking place in like a totally different reality uh, where there's different alien races and they're all in space and shit. Um, which I suppose that that also kind of is happening in Star Wars. So I can't really hold that against Star. My thing with Star Wars is just that it's everything is so fucking saturated with Star Wars all the time everywhere I look. And it just makes yeah. me like annoyed about it. So that's why <laughs> I've never gotten super into it because I'm just like, I. Anything that is like this heavily marketed to me constantly is yeah. just, I'm just like, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, oh God, I'm going to pull out the nerdiest reference I can imagine. So for you, it's almost like the movie They Live. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. Where uh, there's these special government glasses where you put them on and every piece of marketing goes from something shiny and like popish to like obey um you know eat reproduce like it's it's oh. a very it's a horribly yeah. awesome old sci-fi film from the 80s um yeah. but like no i, I totally get it, it but i've seen a, i've seen cuts from it i think okay. because i am getting a visual like bell ringing from what you're describing yeah yeah well i i understand the the star wars oversaturation because at this point i i was a fan and now i'm slowly kind of backing up into a corner <laughs> <laughs> saying i think i'm all yeah. right guys um yeah. Well, that's really cool that especially that that you and your partner share that love for something, too. And uh, oh, I do have to ask you, which house are you for Harry Potter? I am Gryffindor. Like I'm actually Gryffindor. I've, yes. I, according to the official Pottermore quiz, but also every single like. Fake or like ostensibly real quote like you know sorting hat thing because you know yeah. whenever you go to like the book releases and stuff they'd always have like some dude like hiding under a tent and it's like a sorting hat sitting on yeah. top of it like <laughs> and every fucking time i have gotten gryffindor so i'm like yeah i'm pretty sure that seems legit oh that's so awesome i'm jealous i'm jealous of that answer uh <laughs> <laughs> what are you i think i'm a hufflepuff everyone who's hufflepuff <laughs> says that like apologetically and it makes me so sad it's, it's, it also it also is telling because i feel like if you're really sad that you got put in hufflepuff then you that's like maybe the biggest sign that you're actually hufflepuff yeah oh 100 <laughs> percent. or my friends are slytherin or, or even ravenclaw i'm like that's cool i'm just gonna sit yeah. over here like <laughs> it's just it's just how it is um 
no, that's uh that's just super cool that uh you know you you guys share that love for something nerdy that's kind of outside the zeitgeist a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, outside of your your content creation, outside of your business, what what do you like to do that kind of lets you decompress? We'll get to we'll get to your powerlifting here in a second because I know yeah. you're <laughs> you're a killer powerlifter. But what what helps you decompress from a long work week or if you want to go on like a, a fun staycation? What's something that kind of helps you relax? Um, I like making stuff like it's something that I, I really didn't even do it for a long time just because it's really hard when there's always something else I could be doing to just be like, let me just sit down and make this thing out of fucking Sculpey or whatever. But my love for that was reignited recently. Like I've always been like a crafty person. I was known in like high school for I was constantly sitting in class, like knitting, like I was never not knitting something. I was always knitting people's scarves and stuff. Like, so I've always been into crafts or, you know, different little like creative projects. Um, And my mom actually gifted me for my birthday. Like I think it was last summer. She gave me this, when I opened it, I was like, why the fuck would she buy me this? This is the weirdest present I've ever gotten. It was like a, a miniature set like you know how you can build like a tiny little house yeah it was a miniature kit to build your own tiny little greenhouse with like but all out of like little pieces of wood and cardboard and like crepe paper and stuff and it's down to the last fucking detail you make tiny fake plants that are like this tall like one inch tall oh my god and then you have to like cut the shape of the leaves out and glue it together and it's really painstaking tiny tedious work but I also have ADHD, which is, so it's perfect because I'm like, this is a wonderful because I love being like fully absorbed in something that's detail oriented. Yeah. As long as it's something I enjoy, then I get totally like obsessed with it. And so that stupid kit sat around. I didn't even touch it for a while. And I truly was like, why am I not getting this? And she, but she knows me well. She is my mom. And she was like, you know, you always like stuff like that. And one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I think it was like in the, during the holiday season, I was like taking a couple of days off from actual like work related stuff. And I was like, I'll try this. Boy, did I, I didn't move out of my chair for like eight hours. Oh I like went God. deep into this. I was, I was like, miniatures are great. I'm going <laughs> to give me like a year. I'm going to be one of those. I'm going to like an old man in my basement with a model railroad or some shit. Like. <laughs> so I started doing that and then yeah and then in like January I did my big like Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West I did the cosplay which I had already had oh, wow. the cosplay outfit which I did not make I ordered it mm-hmm. custom made from an Etsy uh seller and I I had the suit and I was like okay I'll do this cosplay someday I just kind of had it sitting around for months and months and then a photographer friend of mine that I really wanted to work with to photograph this cosplay for me was like well I have availability on these dates and it was a month away and I was like fuck I I know I don't have a spear I can't cosplay Aloy without a weapon oh no so and I looked again at the same seller that I bought previously from on Etsy and a bunch of others who do custom cosplay like prop weapons. And a whole bunch of people would make an Aloy spear. But first of all, they were all like literally like $2,000. And second of all, the lead time on those, because most of these makers were in Europe, the lead time was way over a month. Like there's no way I would get it in time. So I was like, guess I'm going to make a fucking spear. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I made it and it was the coolest goddamn thing. Like I learned a lot um, about modeling that I had never, cause I had never worked with any of those materials before. Like, um, I forget what it's called. Warbla. It's like this heat. It's like a plastic that you melt with a heat gun and then you form it into whatever shape you want. And then it dries oh, wow. hard. Like, so there's a whole bunch of cool stuff. And I learned like doing like detailed painting and stuff. I'm actually, it's leaning up against the wall in my room. So I'm looking at it right now, but it turned out pretty fucking good. Like, Holy crap. It was, How long it did was it about, take? Uh, yeah. So I was like, uh, I got to get this done in a week. Uh, it took me about probably close to 60 hours of work. Whoa. Yeah. It was all I did for a week. My boyfriend was literally like, you have lost your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet he was peering into your workshop. Just, hey. Do you want do you want food? You're all right? No, okay. I'm yeah, that's I'll literally what it was. He was yeah. very nice. He was like, I'm gonna make us dinner. And I'm just like over here, like, what? Excuse me, what did you say? Hmm? Okay, whatever. Like <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's <laughs> what an awesome guy to have around the house. <laughs> <laughs> he is great, yeah. <laughs> that's I, I did the same thing. My um my, my girlfriend was taking this like weekend long class and anything around the house that needed done. I just, I, I did it just to make sure we were okay. And she came downstairs yeah. after a full, like four days, full, four, full, oh God. Oh God, I can't talk four full days of online training and just said, Oh, Hey, did, did you, did you clean the kitchen? Yeah. And everything. I <laughs> know uh, <laughs> it's that's, so nice. Oh, well, I mean, it, it's good to have that, that balance. I'm sure if, if he was doing something, you would do the same thing, right? Oh yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. hundred percent partnership. <laughs> that's yeah. what we're in for. Well, that's so cool. Um, I am curious now, are you going to get more into the miniature part of things? You're going to build that town for the, uh, the old model train. <laughs> no, <laughs> So no, quick. <laughs> no, I do love it, but I don't, I, I don't have the space to dedicate to, I mean, I, I actually do have quite a lot of space, but yeah, nothing that I can functionally put a ton of miniatures in, but I do like <laughs> the company that made the kit that my mom gave to me. I found some other little ones that they make and they do ones that are like a four square inch, like little guy, oh, just like cool. different little like scenes that you can build Yeah, and they're really cute. And so I'm probably going to end up getting a few more of those, but you know, nothing that would be like a giant room full of miniatures yeah that there would have to be another lockdown Although, for that to happen maybe when i'm like retired and old you know maybe i will hey get to that level <laughs> just look who has the guinness book world record account for that specific activity and see if you could beat it by the time you're you know 80 <laughs> 85 <laughs> the world's largest model railroad I mean, I don't think I would even want to do railroads. Like, I don't know why no. that's the thing. But do something just different. Tiny things, yeah. Yeah, just make <laughs> make the entire downtown set of LA. There we go. Yeah, that'd be that'd be worth something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to I want to kind of zero in on on something here. Uh, you're the you're the first you know adult film industry vet that we've had on this podcast, and a lot of the questions that I have do teeter over to that part of the industry as well. And I do want to ask, uh, you know, if you have a, a party story that you could share with our listeners. So, in our sort of way of delivering a party story, it is somebody who uh, has experienced something so impactful that you can recount every single moment of it, 
and easily tell it at a party. It doesn't have to be anything that, you know, occurred in the, uh, you know, on the job or on set. could be anything throughout your career or your life. But is there something that you could share with our listeners by any chance? Oh, my God. And I mean, a there's a question. lot. So now it's like, now it's like, which, which thing do I talk about? Which one? <laughs> uh, I mean, how explicit can I get with this? Oh, dude, you can get as explicit as you want. This is a, <laughs> I, I talk to people who cuss up and down on set all the time on the show. So <laughs> get as explicit as you want. Fair. If I need to block anything, I will, but no, Okay. go for it. Uh, boy. Hold on. I'm I'm trying to pick between a couple that I could pick in my in my brain and decide what what feels right for this moment. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to go with the uh so my first uh couple months coming back into the industry after being retired and away from yeah. it for 5 years. Uh I made it out to Las Vegas for the big AVN show which is like, you know, they call it the Oscars of porn. Hmm. Uh, and it's really a gathering of like everybody in the entire industry is all staying at the same hotel all at the same time. And not only are there, there's the fan convention going on that week, the award shows usually on like Saturday or Sunday night. Um, there's usually everyone, like lots of people are drunk the whole time. They're going out, they're partying every night, whatever. And like, I was laying low for, for the most part, because I was, you know, I had been away from the industry for so long. There were people that I had been friends with that I had lost contact with and like, um, but I wasn't, so the, I think it was actually after the award show itself, like later that night, I was invited to a private, uh, like a BDSM party that a friend, an industry friend was hosting where okay. there was going to be part of the like ticket, uh, for this show was that you get if you get the VIP ticket or whatever, cause they had like, it was open to the public, but then they also like the organizer of the party had reserved like a small room that was like the VIP area. And in that small room, there was to be a live sex show where uh, Michael Vegas, who is a, uh, also an industry veteran male performer. He's been around for a while. He runs his own site. That's all about pegging. Um, he was going to get fisted anally. <laughs> by the porn star natalie mars with a bunch of people watching and and so the, yeah so, so that was that was something that i watched uh yeah natalie had her entire arm inside of his butt like up to the elbow probably past the elbow if i remember correctly um what yeah, yeah. holy shit yeah. <laughs> And, and it, it was wild. Like, I was like, this is amazing. I, this is exactly why I was thinking in my head the whole night. I was like, this is why I missed this industry. Like you would never encounter this crazy shit anywhere else. Mm. And everyone's so open uh, about like anything related to sexuality, like generally people in adult, I mean, I can't say this is true of everyone in adult, but like the standards that we have for, uh, like well sexual safety first of all like getting sti testing regularly but also just communicating and setting boundaries in not only just a like a sexual but just like an interpersonal setting is like those are skills that a lot of just people like even adults who are like in their 40s and 50s don't have <laughs> oh yeah so it's <laughs> yeah so it's um and i was like damn i missed this so much this is so cool and then i met my friend 
who's now like one of my best friends ever, uh, Robbie Echo, we, we met that night at that party for the first time. And uh, he's, he's married now, uh, quite happily. And his, his wife is amazing. She is a civilian. She's not a performer. Um, but at the time he was not married or, or partnered with anyone. And we, we met that night and uh, my partner and I are Polly. Um, and we ended up like having sex immediately when we met pretty much like in that VIP room. Uh, and that Just was like a that. wild, yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, we both felt very attracted to each other and it was just like, yeah. geez, okay, let's just get, do this and like, get this out of the way. Uh, and of course it was a bunch of porn people who were there. So then I had it, like someone started filming it and then they were like, do you, let, let me get you, I filmed this for you here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, cool, I got some content. I didn't even need to. <laughs> like... <laughs> So it was a wild night and it was quite a, a nice jump back into the porn industry for me. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like you just, you, you did a huge cannonball right back into the pool of the adult industry after years away. I definitely did. Yes. Holy and I, mean, cow. I had been sitting, my job for a while prior to that had been, I working as an editor at a little publishing company. So, uh, I quite literally in the span of like one month went from sitting behind a desk, like doing edits on other people's fucking articles that they wrote to, to that. (laughs) And I was like, this is great. Oh my God. So how long was that transition from you were working that job? And then, I mean, was it within that month that you just said, all right, I need to get back into it. Or do you have to think about it for a little bit? No, I, I knew um, it was, I mean, the transitional period out of my, previous civilian job was about six months because I started it was really when I started dipping a toe back in by making content online exclusively just doing OnlyFans and stuff that was in like August of that year um and then you know by January I had quit my civilian job and went out to Vegas and LA and did the whole ABN and at that point I was officially back in like I had left my other job because I I knew at that point that I could sustain an income on just my only fans, if anything, you know, yeah. let alone like studio shoots and other sources of income. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I love hearing when people just go right back into their passions. Like that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about this podcast, about the show is hearing <laughs> these stories. So that's super cool. Also one of the craziest party stories, if not the craziest we've had on the show. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I didn't even mention, but the fact that like Robbie Echo and I were, we would, we just, were having sex for a very long time in that room. And it was yeah. to the point, and this was immediately after Michael Vegas had just gotten fisted. <laughs> so everyone had already seen quite a show. And then me and Robbie Echo started going at it. And I do remember at least one or two people like leaving to go back down to like the general party area, not the VIP room, but like leaving the VIP room yeah. for 30 minutes coming back into the VIP room, looking into the corner, seeing us still doing it and going, are they still? And then just like wandering <laughs> off like, geez. Like. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know how there hasn't been a show about this industry, you know, on HBO or something. I mean, there are like, people always ask me if I've watched The Deuce and I'm like, no, I haven't. Um, oh. But that's also not set in modern times. I think that one's set in like the, even the 70s or the 80s. Uh, okay. There have been a lot of fictional accounts of the porn industry. Mm-hmm. I would say that most of the time they air on uh, inaccurate or like really sensationalized versions of the porn industry. 
And there's very few things that have ever had an accurate or like empathetic portrayal. Yes. Um, yeah. And it, it does seem pretty hard for mainstream uh, producers to create anything that deals with the adult industry that does it in a way that doesn't somehow find a way to shame sex workers for what they do. I mean, Hollywood has a big fucking problem with thinking of uh, mainstream actors as somehow a lot more like worthy of respect than, than porn actors. That's always been a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we're, I don't know, we're on our way out with that kind of thinking fingers crossed i think i mean there's some two things two huge things that are more recent that have been really good signs in my in my view are uh maitland ward who you know was around boy meets world is now a very like the most famous porn star and she's continued getting a lot of mainstream attention and respect uh even after kind of crossing the the pond from mainstream yeah. <laughs> to porn and so that's cool to see like that blending of of that and i know there actually was a tv show that's not out i want to say it's a tv show it might be like a mini series and i don't remember what it's called but maitland was cast in it um and, and that oh. is a mainstream and it's set in the porn industry i wish i could remember what it's called i think yeah. it's called the i think it's called the big show yeah 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 yeah. oh my god i completely forgot about that yeah so she's in that also zoe ligan uh another friend of mine who owns spectrum boutique like an online sex toy retail store she was cast in it um and then chloe cherry being you know a pretty important uh character like one of the uh side characters on the most recent season of euphoria is pretty cool Oh wow! See, I I'm so behind on Euphoria. yeah. <laughs> so seeing folks like that crossover is yeah. a good thing, I think. Um, I mean, not that it hasn't happened before. Like Sasha Gray is a good example of a porn performer who was yeah. cast in some mainstream stuff. Um, but it's always been like one-offs, and now it seems like there's less and less one-off examples of that. That there is a little more openness between mainstream, like Hollywood film uh and or tv shows and the porn industry so that's really nice it's nice to see and it makes sense because um regardless of what you think of the the act of having sex with someone on film like a lot of porn stars are good actors and they they understand the business of entertainment and they understand what the job is even when sex is not involved and a lot of Porn actors also have a pretty large social media following. So to cast someone like Chloe Cherry, for example, in Euphoria is a really fucking good choice because now you're going to draw on a whole bunch of people who otherwise really might not have cared about watching the show. So to me, it makes sense for business. And it also makes sense in terms of like, like, why not? You know? Yeah. Have <laughs> you ever given... fits the character, like, why yeah. the fuck not cast them? Who cares if they've done porn before or are still doing it? Yeah, it's it's completely different. And... Honestly, like, why haven't you uh, ventured into that part of the industry? Have you have you thought about uh, even maybe producing your own show or like auditioning oh my for God. something? Like, <laughs> no, uh, no, producing a whole show like that's just now uh, that sounds like way more stress than I want to put on my plate. <laughs> I wasn't. I I did get cast in a B horror movie called Ooga Booga back in oh, twenty thirteen. Um, what? 
yeah, yeah. Oh you can my god, still, I'm writing that you down. You can you can still rent it. You can apparently you can buy it for ten dollars at Walmart.com on DVD because a fan asked me about it the other day and I had to look it up and I was like, oh, you can still get it. Booga, um, booga. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it was Full Moon Features is the company that produced that, and they usually do straight to DVD. Like there, mm-hmm. it's very B movie stuff, so they don't do theatrical release typically, uh, except for like their own private premiere. But um, they like they did movies that were pretty popular. Like Evil Bong was one of the movies that they did, and they did some other ones that uh, I, I want to say they might have actually done Leprechaun too, which Ooh, is probably the I- most famous one. I think I've but, seen a DVD uh, case for Evil Bong somewhere. Yeah, this this is a very prolific company. Like the director yeah. who like started the company is uh he's not really the main director anymore. I think he's sort of semi-retired, but um God, I mean they make like four movies a year or something. It's it's a lot. Holy crap. <laughs> they just like churn them out. And they know what they're doing. Like they're very yeah. like they're definitely campy, like on purpose. So but it was fun. It was a really fun experience. Yeah. It was hilarious because I uh they do cast like I'm not the first porn star that they cast in one of their films. I didn't have a huge role, but I you know I had lines. Um, like I got my my first SAG credits from it. That's awesome. Um, but I think they do they do cast a lot of uh, adult stars because it can be kind of hard, especially for a small role, to find a mainstream actress who's willing to go topless in a movie. Oh yeah. And you think B horror movie, there's got to be titties in it. So yeah, I was titties fair. in Ooga Booga. I was titties. <laughs> and I'm only in it for like 3 minutes. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was really fun and it was funny because of my role being like mostly topless yeah. that whenever the director would call cut, they had an a, like a wardrobe assistant standing on the sidelines ready to hand me a robe to cover up and I kept forgetting like I kept like walking past her because I was like blah, blah, blah. I'm just used to being naked on set in porn and then she would like chase me be like here do you want your robe and I was like no oh yeah I'll put the robe on it's for everyone else's comfort not mine like <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I love those I've seen those reactions on set too I'm yeah. like, no, no it's not for you it's for us come here come here come here <laughs> yeah oh my god well, yeah, it was fun i would do more of it it's i mean the main yeah. reason that i haven't is just because you know i i did that movie then i started getting like i that was like 2013 and then 2014 i was just crazy like booked up all year because that's when i started getting like a lot more famous in porn um and then at the end of 2014 i retired so there was never a yeah. chance for me to do more mainstream work and then of course i was gone for a while and now i'm back but not living in California is a barrier to that for sure. Like, oh, I bet. you know, yeah. yeah. But you know, hopefully, Maitland gets a full like season through a second season, and who knows, maybe she'll uh, she'll want to bring you in for a part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be down. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I love. That's one of my priorities for uh, 2022 has been doing more actual like acting roles in porn, at yeah. least you know because yeah. uh, it's it's a different it's a longer day and it's it is more work. Uh, to memorize lines and play a, a character but it's for me more satisfying at the end of the day when I get to do that so yeah well I mean you've you've carved a whole career for yourself and you've you know built up this sort of uh online empire now especially with all of your <laughs> your sites and your content do you have uh any advice you could pass on our listeners maybe it's somebody who is you know trying to develop their career in the arts industry or somebody who's already in the industry and is trying to you know stay Mm -hmm. afloat during these hard times do you have any advice you could pass on to them um 
be yourself. Like, be, this sounds so dorky to be like, be true to yourself, but <laughs> no, really, because especially in, in any entertainment industry, especially you're going to have a, a lot of people who are, might be incredibly like well-meaning, respected figures in your industry who will give you advice that might even come unsolicited about how you should handle your career, your appearance, your approach, your fan interactions. Like it's a very popular thing for, uh, you know, agents, directors, like anyone who might be in a little bit more of a position of power over like a newer person in, in, in the industry. It's really common for them to tell newer girls, uh, like, oh, don't, don't talk about this in front of your fans. Like, don't ever talk about political stuff with your fans. And I'm just like, no. Like, I had a TikTok that went viral that had literally like 10 million views because I basically went on TikTok and I just, and I didn't even, in, like, I didn't think it was, that's how viral shit happens, right? You're not yeah. expecting oh, yeah, it. Yeah. I just was like, this was like right after the 2020 election results were finalized. And I was like, hey, uh, I realize that some some people following me on this platform are like big Trump fans. I just want to say you should unfollow me. I don't want you. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I had this fucking anti-Trump thing that I said go really viral on TikTok, and it all it got me was hate. Like it got, I got a lot of hate follows on oh TikTok, but also to this day I have fans who will join my OnlyFans, and the first thing they DM me is, "Oh my God, I love you so much. I found you on TikTok. I'm so glad that." <laughs> that you share my values and I'm like you know what this this worked for me like yeah. I'm not I'm not afraid to talk politics with my fans because like either they don't agree with me and that's enough for them to not want to support my career by mm -hmm. like giving me their money or watching my films and that's fine you know yeah. they don't have to do that or they're gonna be like this is awesome now I really want to like be her fan and there's the rare person who might not agree with me, but then they're also like, oh, I don't need to agree with her politics to watch her have sex with people. That's fine. You know? Yeah. In any case, I find it all acceptable and no, none of it's going to stop me from sharing my opinions openly, you know? Yeah. And, so it's like things yeah. like that. I just tell people like, you know, <sighs> just don't worry too much about, about the possibly like how do i say this cuz i was I, I was telling you all that because i was trying to get at the fact that like you there will be people like i can't even count on both hands how many times i've gotten advice from like usually like old dudes in the industry oh, about how God. i should behave or run my own career or my business wow. and most of that advice i have not listened to uh and i also can't say that i have any regrets about any of that <laughs> My other advice is pay your taxes. <laughs> that's that's sage advice too, based on what I've seen on Google News the last yeah. couple of days. Yeah, pay your taxes. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't think that you can claim that you made five thousand dollars and get away with that. The IRS will find you, and oh, then yeah. your wages will be garnered for years. Hasn't happened to me, but I do know people that. Oh, thank God! I so, was about to yeah. say, are you okay? Oh, no, no, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've yeah, I, I never, I was never uh, lured into that. <laughs> I'll say, is that why there's a missing patch of uh, drywall behind you, just filled with cash? Or should I not say that? <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have said that. That's oh, all right. no, you found my drywall cash. <laughs> oh, shit. <hole. laughs> well, um, 
and uh, there's like no way to segue from that but uh one thing i do like to do with these episodes is promote something that my guest really believes in so whether it's your your website a charity maybe a business you really believe in is there something i can promote with your episode yes please um so i uh actually made a website for this let me I don't need to paste the link. I'll just tell you what it is. So I made, I made a website. Well, it started out as a joke. Cause I like, I don't even remember what it was because it was because I refer to myself as a corn star on like safe platforms, like Instagram and TikTok. Cause if I can't say porn. I'll yeah, get banned. Of course not. yeah. So it's just become a thing. And then I started doing it on Twitch. And so on Twitch, I call my subscriber like base on Twitch. I call them the corn cult. So there's just been this whole joke about like corn. You know, and, and I mean, a lot of people who aren't diehard, like porn fans are in the industry themselves, don't realize that there is a really a political war being fought at like the, the federal level. And especially in like Supreme court cases um, Mm -hmm. that are coming up that has, that will greatly impact the future of the porn industry and whether it even is allowed to exist period in this country. Oh, wow. So yeah. I made a website called savethecorn.com. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> and uh, it is, this is me trying to do some fundraising to help out the free speech coalition, which is originally began in the eighties as an industry trade group for the adult industry. But a huge part of their work is uh, hiring and keeping lobbyists on payroll to actually work on the Hill in Washington to fight for the rights of the the entire porn industry oh you know representing pretty much all sex workers who might have any type of content available online um because i mean we have i don't want to take up a ton of time like getting into the weeds but just for a quick example of like one of the biggest threats to the industry there is a uh something called the section 230 of the communications decency act which I think was like 1997 or something, but this was this was a uh, an amendment that was passed in order to protect uh, websites, mm-hmm. essentially, which are like privately owned businesses, from being held liable for things that their users say on the website, and that mm-hmm. also now extends to porn. So if you think of like mm-hmm. a website like OnlyFans. OnlyFans is its own company, and then they're hosting content generated by their users. So I'm a I'm putting my own user generated content on OnlyFans platform. So there's there are very very so far successful efforts to completely repeal Section 230 from the Communications Decency Act to repeal and or gut it. And if that happens, it leaves not just adult industry people, but anyone who's using any platform, including all social media platforms completely open to be banned for zero reason if the platform thinks you said something that might reflect badly on the platform or put them in a position of liability and since sex work you know porn in some states is officially like on the books legal Mm -hmm. and actually like producing porn isn't criminalized in this country but other forms of sex work like if you're an escort you Mm -hmm. know seeing clients in person that's not legal at the federal level so if you're an escort and you just like have a Twitter account, like that could completely get, that already happens. But if the section 230 were repealed, like yeah, no one would, and it, and it would, there's no telling. It's really like a slippery slope situation because if 
a private company, say Twitter, is going to be able to be sued for what one single Twitter user said, then they're always going to play it safe. Essentially, you just, it will, it will have a, a, it's the most serious chilling effect on people's speech. And we already live in a country where democracy is like being slowly dismantled. And this would be like really a fucking nail in the coffin, the way that I see it. So yeah, that is why I made SaveTheCorn.com because I oh, want to raise shit. a minimum of $1,000. That's such a low target. I feel like I should be able to hit that easily, but yeah. I haven't been promoting it as much as I want to. Um, I always have so many things to tweet and promote. But I, I told my fans, hey, if, we, if you guys donate a total of $1,000 for the FSC lobbying fund, I will do a Twitch stream where I swim in a literal pool filled with corn. Because my Twitch, my Twitch community is always asking me to do pool streams. And I'm like, well, I don't have a pool. I could get an inflatable pool, but it sounds like a lot more fun to do it as a fundraiser and then fill it with corn. Yeah. That's a <laughs> shit ton of corn, too. <laughs> it is. I, like, looked it up. It's like, oh, God. It's basically, it's like several hundred dollars worth of corn. Like 200 pounds or something like that. It's fucking insane. Like, it's so much corn. That, yeah, that's, I mean, hey, the corn industry will thank you for that. Fortunately, I live in Kentucky, and there are plenty of farms to donate the corn to after oh, it's perfect. been slumming, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> well, no, that's... I literally asked my friend who works on a farm about it. I was like, do you think yeah. I could donate? Is there, like, a problem with me donating it if it touched my body? And she was like, no, we don't fucking care. We'll feed it to our, like, pigs. Who cares? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a horrifying one to think about <laughs> that being no not the not the corn but the the repeal <laughs> pigs <laughs> Just, eating my butt corn like, oh no that's kind of weird i mean that corn that touched my butt like nothing came out of it there's oh. gonna be a farmer standing <laughs> in the trough just going yeah eat it good <laughs> it's no that that part sounds hilarious and awesome and i i hope you make that you know that minimum amount of it. guys listeners it's a thousand dollars like go to the, I'm gonna tie the the site into the episode. So go in, click on it, and donate because that's that's incredibly yeah. important too. To not We're only support, right. yeah, like uh, and a thousand dollars is nothing to to oh, build it's nothing. up donations. Yeah, That's, I mean, I only tweeted the link a couple times, and I got okay. like a couple hundred dollars. So we're not we're not halfway there, but I mean, yeah. it's I'm not gonna I'm not there's no time limit on this. I didn't set a time limit. Oh, good. Said, okay, like, it has to be by this date. I was just like, just donate. Yeah. Once I get to that thousand dollars, I'm hopping in a pool full of corn. <laughs> the sooner you donate, the sooner I get in the corn. <laughs> well, our listeners will definitely help out with that because that's a <laughs> that's like a horrifying reality to think about the complete loss of free speech and right uh, losing so much, if not already what we've lost uh, this year, yes. which I won't get into. Uh, but <laughs> that's that's incredible. No, I'll definitely promote that for sure. That's and I love the. <laughs> save the corn um <laughs> i'm such a dork uh, i'm gonna be giggling about that for the rest of the day but this uh <laughs> I, I don't want to take up too much of your time because i i feel like i could talk to you for hours this has just been <laughs> hilarious and awesome and, and getting to know your story and your background you know maybe we could bring you back on the show in the future one day um oh, sure. and hey after you swim in the corn you know see see how the whole thing went We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll catch up on how many donations you got for that but i just want to thank you for like giving your time to the show and sharing your story sharing your experiences because that's what this is all about um i have one thing 
mm-hmm. my favorite thing actually for each episode have you ever seen wayne's world not in its entirety oh, I, it's, such a, it's such a quotable movie that like yeah. i grew up with like family members constantly quoting it but i've never actually just sat down and watched it i know bad oh my god no i mean hey you're you're busy but when you get a second you know just spare 90 uh-huh. minutes uh essentially what i like to do to is close it actually out, 90 minutes i love when movies are 90 minutes you oh yeah it used to be a thing regularly oh my god yeah, I might it's like 90 95 with credits maybe yeah, it's, it's yeah. super tight yeah no you should definitely check it out uh i like to close out every recording by doing a uh silent wayne's world countdown where i'll count down oh from god. three then when i point to you you give us your best awkward goodbye your best verbal awkward goodbye if you could think of something oh really awkward to i say. love it so much <laughs> it's it's my own personal word thing but i love it it's so much fun everyone's different too so uh do you think you can do that yes <laughs> okay all right and from my butt to your butt Good butt. Okay, bye. <laughs>